I got a trade here real quick. Jordan's let me use his Bible because this thing's pulling that thing down, so I don't want that to happen while I'm teaching. Thanks, so I don't know what your definition of a special treat is, but I, thanks for that uh, <laughs> little intro. Um, I want to thank my dad for being here. You guys, if you have like a godly heritage, there's nothing better than that. My dad just told me, I didn't know this, but I'm a fourth-generation Christian. I didn't know that. Um, he was telling me the other day, so I'm a fourth-generation Christian, and how awesome is that to have that godly heritage? Um, if you're a first-generation you know, Christian, just make sure you continue that on. Tell your kids about the Lord so they can you continue that heritage on the next generation. But I think for my dad for showing up. He's supposed to go to his own church and said he decided to come out here and listen to this. But thanks for that. Um, and then I wanted to read something to you guys. You were talking about um, encouragement. And I got a message uh, a couple days ago. I was kind of studying and getting ready for this little sermon. And well, actually, he just messaged me again. I'm going to start crying, right? So this random message shows up on my phone a couple days ago. It says, hey, Brother Lance, this is Pastor Abe. And I've only met him twice, right? This is my dad's pastor. I've only talked to him a couple times in my life, just in passing, right? And just a random message says, hey, brother, this is Pastor Abe. I heard you were preaching this Sunday evening, and I wanted to, you to know I'm praying for you. If I, didn't have my own, if I didn't have my own church, I'd be there too, right? Now, how awesome is that? I've only met him a couple times. He has a big old church of 150, 200 people. He's like praying for you, want to encourage you, and I'd come listen to you if I didn't have to preach. Come on. That's pretty awesome. So talk about encouragement. How Encouragement is so, so important, just those little things, just that little random message to somebody, that little bit of, hey, I'm praying for you. It, it means a lot. It meant a lot to me. And he just said at 618, praying, right? He just messaged me again. How awesome is that? I barely know him, right? So encouragement is so important, it's so important. Um, and I want to thank my mother and father-in-law for being here because they usually would be watching Hallmark. Instead, they came out to, <laughs> they came out to hear me, and my dad just heard me a couple <laughs> he yes yeah, see so he heard, just heard me a couple weeks ago and he still came so that was pretty awesome so um, I'm excited about that but let's uh, let's pray real quick and then we'll get into this lesson that God has has given to me I do Lord Holy Father thank you for this day I just thank you for this time we can uh, come to church and get in your Word and it's so awesome to still live in a in a free nation where we can come in here we don't have to worry about too much pushback we can. Um, we can pray. We can still get in the Word. We can still meet together. I'm so thankful for that, Lord. I don't, I don't know how much longer that's going to last, but we still have it now, so we need to take the opportunity to do that. I know in my own life, I haven't done that. I've had the freedom for 35 years to get in your Word and pray, and I haven't even taken the opportunity to really pursue that. But now, just recently, Lord, you've really put a burden on my heart to really pursue you, and I thank you for that. Thank you for being a God of second chances and being a forgiving God and wanting to use somebody like me. I pray that you'd use me. In your name I pray. Amen. Our uh, text is going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. And while you're turning there, uh, there's a question I want to ask you. I want to get you thinking. If your house was on fire and you could go inside and grab any five things to save it, what would it be? So your house is on fire, is burning down on the ground. What are the five items you would run inside and try to save? Anybody want to give any, what would your five things be? Yeah, you. Your dog? Five, you have five things? What, what other things? Anything else? You run, would you save your family? What else would you run in to save?
One more thing. Save your brother. Say you got a cat. Got a favorite toy. Yourself? That, that, you should already be out, when you're, but that's fine. That's cool. Anybody else? What's the five things you run? John, what five things when you ran inside? What are the five things you run in? Even three things that you would save. Two together, five things. Okay. Yep. That's one. You, you remember, if it's just you, John, would you go in to save your family or are you leave and send? So you just said, okay, okay, good. That's good. Okay. Well, that's good. You got three, right? That's fine. I, the five things I would save would be my family first. I'd probably save my safe because it has money in it. And it has gold and silver in it. That has papers in it that I need. So I'd definitely go inside and, and try to get, pull my safe out. I would save my dog, even though he's old and annoying. I'd still probably try to save him. He's still like my baby. I'd probably save my guns because I love my guns. And I'd probably save my Bible. And if you think of those things, actually, it kind of sounds like a country song. I'd save my dog, my guns, my Bible, my family, but whatever. But uh, these would be considered earthly treasures, okay? The definition of a treasure is something of great worth or value. There are two types of, two types of tr- earthly treasures. There's tangible treasures, and then there's intangible treasures. A tangible treasure is something you can hold on to, you can grasp onto, you can actually touch, like car, money, your pet, family, your phone. And then an intangible treasure would be um, honor, praise, self-worth, and relationships. Things you spend time on to talk about or dream about would be your earthly treasure. Now, I want to get this main point across. There's nothing wrong with earthly treasure. The Bible never says there's anything wrong with having stuff. never says that. It's when your earthly treasure becomes your God. That's when it becomes a problem. We need stuff. There's nothing wrong with earthly treasures. Put it all around us. There's things that are important to us. As long as we don't make it our God, that's when it becomes an issue. I believe we struggle with these things in American Christianity, especially in America, but American Christianity, because we have what we want when we want. We can pretty much buy anything at any time. It's just, if I want to go buy something, I can take my credit card and go buy it. So at any moment, I could just go purchase it or save up and buy it. So that's why I believe it's hard in America to not have earthly treasures and make them our gods because they're so easily accessible at any, at any time. Um, I believe right now, especially in, the, in our churches, our God or our earthly treasure has become safety. Because if you look around just here in Michigan, there are all these churches that are closed down. Like, there's nothing wrong with shutting a church down if there's a problem, right? That's common sense. If we have COVID in the past, we shut down the church down for two weeks. It made perfect sense. People are sick. But what we've done is we're so worried about holding on to our life now that we've decided we're just going to shut the doors of our church just to keep people safe. Where's the trust when it comes to God about worrying? I mean, we're so worried about ourselves and making other people sick. We're shutting the doors of our churches. Satan loves that. His main goal is to take Christianity and cause it to just 
go away, right? Which can't happen. We'll always have, you know, God and it'll always continue. But that's his goal. But how easy has it been for him? He hasn't even had to do that much. Let's just bring a little bit of his sickness in and let's just shut all the doors of all the churches and now all these churches are closed. How easy was that? He didn't even have to push that hard. And Christians are just like, okay, we got it. What are we doing? That's why I'm so thankful that we go to a church that's not like that. Right? We have wisdom when we should open up the doors and shut the doors. I understand that if people don't want to come, it makes perfect sense. If you have some fear, you have some sicknesses, you stay at home, perfect. But to actually shut the doors of your church where you can't go somewhere makes no sense. God says, do not forsake yourself of yourself. Don't forsake your assembly yourself together. Right? He doesn't say, don't forsaking of your assembly yourselves together if there's a problem or if there's COVID-19. It says, come together. Meet together. This is what we're supposed to be doing. So I believe that's an issue we actually have in America. Um, but we do. there are legitimate reasons to have earthly treasures. There's two main reasons why we should have earthly treasures. The first one is to provide for our daily lives. If you would turn to Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. And there's also 1 Timothy 5, 8. Anybody want to re- go to 1 Timothy 5, 8? I'll go, to, I'll go to Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. John told me not to read too much scripture, but because it makes it kind of... Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. And 1 Timothy 5, 8. This little Bible is really weird. It's hard to get a hold of it. I'm not used to it. All right. I will read uh, Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou raise, arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that tra- tra- traveleth and and thy want as an armed ant. And then who has the first Timothy five eight? Go ahead. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and the devotion. This is when it's okay to have earthly treasures. It makes perfect sense. We need food, we need shelter, we need clothes, we need a car to get to work. Absolutely nothing wrong with these things. As long as we don't make them our gods. I love my truck, right? But I don't want to make it my God. I don't want to, like, dream about my truck. It's important you need to have it, but it shouldn't be my God. The other main reason, a legitimate reason to have an earthly treasure is to provide for the future. Um, that's found in Proverbs thirteen sixteen, and also James four thirteen through 15. Um, and it talks about preparing, but we need to make sure we do not prepare, but, but know that God is in control. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with preparing, but know that God is in control. Second, we can plan, but know that we are not promised tomorrow. So we can get prepared all we want for any situation, but if it's God's timing, he could take everything we have in a moment. That's why we have to make sure that our earthly treasure is not our God. There's nothing wrong with preparing. There's nothing wrong with um, making sure we have what we need and planning for the future. Those are all important things, but we cannot make them our God. Um, Matthew six nineteen. Let's go back there. Text. Matthew six nineteen says in our text, "Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, 
and where thieves break through and steal. Did I read this? Did I open up and read this? I didn't. I was supposed to do that. Let me go through this real quick, right? Okay. Lay up not for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures on earth and in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In verse 19, it talks about three things that can happen to our earthly treasures. Well, it talks about moth, and it's actually moth larva can eat through your clothes and it could just disappear. It just fades away. And it also talks about rust, which literally means eating through. Um, and it's talking about rust eating on metal, eating away your, your coinage, a metal coin. And, and it also means mice and rats eating through f- food at a store. So, and then the third thing was a thief. A thief stealing everything you have. All these things fade away. So all these earthly treasure things you have could just fade away in an instant. By, by uh, a moth eating through it, it could be rust eating through your, your money, or it could be a mouse eating through your food. Is it worth trading 75 years of temporary earthly treasure for a million years of something eternal? Is it worth trading your life of t- and having temporary earthly treasures and making them your gods for a million years, which isn't even close to how long it's going to be, it's going to be forever, but I'm using a number, a million years of something eternal. And I believe this is how many Christians live. I believe this is how I live. I'm so focused on the now, especially when it comes to like politics and what's happening right now and freedom. I mean, we're holding so hard. And that's my, that's my mom. She's laughing at me, right? I talk about all the time, all the time. I'm always talking about, I'm always yelling at the television and screaming at it, like, what is wrong with these people? And everything's going to fall apart. We're about to lose everything. We're going to have no freedom. And then John kindly says, listen, it's going to be fine. You know, Biden will still make it through. And he's always real positive. But I'm super negative, right? I'm always like freaking out. And this has actually helped me just to realize that where, where's my focus at? Right? There's nothing wrong with earthly treasures, but we have to make sure it doesn't become our God. It's Matthew 6.20 says, Lay up for yourselves, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. We need to live our life for heavenly treasure. Heavenly treasure are things that are of great value in heaven or, e- or eternal value. Uh, there, are, there are tangible heavenly treasure, and there are also intangible heavenly treasures. Tangible heavenly treasures would be a mansion, crowns, yourself, and the heavenly job you're going to have. Intangible heavenly treasure would be soul winning and hearing well done. There are five heavenly treasures that I believe that we should pursue. Five heavenly treasures that I believe we, we should pursue. The first one is crowns you can cast at Christ's feet. There are five crowns that you can obtain because of things you've done on earth. And after earth is done and we go to heaven, we get to cast these crowns back at Christ's feet. How awesome would it be for Christ to say, great job, I want to give you a crown. You say, oh God, everything you've done for me, you get to take the crown, just cast it right back at his feet. How awesome would that be? I think these are this is something we definitely should be be pursuing when it comes to heavenly treasure. The first, I'm going I'm to tell you the names of the crowns and then how you can obtain these crowns. The first crown is called the incorruptible crown, 
And that's found in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. It says, Know ye not that they which run in the race run all, but one receiveth the prize. But one received the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the, the, the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. This crown is given to the Christian who runs his race and mission God has in store for him. So if we, as a Christian, we run the race God's prepared for us the best we can, and also the mission that, mission that God has prepared for us, this is how we can obtain an incorruptible crown. The second crown is called the crown of rejoicing or the soul winner's crown. This is called, uh, found in 1 Thessalonians 2, 10 and 19. This crown is given to the Christian who faithfully witnessed to others and led others to Christ. Now, this isn't only given to people who actually lead people to Christ. This is given to people who are actually witnessing because you're playing the seed. You can still obtain this crown also just by telling others about Christ. The third crown you can obtain is the crown of life. This is found in James 1.12 and Revelation 2.10. This crown is given to Christians who undergo severe hardships, testing, tribulations, or physical death for the cause of Christ. Now, I know here in America, we don't really have to worry about that too much. I mean, we're really not tested for what we believe. Uh, we're not getting killed because we talked about the Lord or witnessed to somebody. It could come, but it isn't happening yet. It doesn't mean that we can't obtain this just if we have some type of pushback, right? You have some, somebody make fun of you or persecute you, and you still say, I'm going to talk about the Lord anyways. Maybe we'll still get a crown for that. I don't know. It seems to be for the people who really go through really, really bad persecution, like in other countries or in the past. But maybe we could still obtain this. It could happen in the future. Um, and then the other last crown, the fifth crown, is the crown of glory. And that's found in First Peter 5, 1 through 4. I'm going to turn there. First Peter 5, 1 through 4. The elders which are among you I exhort, who I am an elder, and I witnessed of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of, of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but by willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. This crown is given to Christians who are preachers, teachers, Sunday school teachers, and missionaries who teach the word of God faithfully. So, this is what I was going to harass you, John, but I was thinking about this. As I was going through these crowns, I was like, man, even my pastor's not going to get really any of these crowns. He must be. Because if you think about it, the first crown is, is, is running the race right. Who knows that John doesn't run the race right? <laughs> crown of rejoicing. So when crown, when's the last time we heard about pastor witnessing to anybody, leading anybody to the Lord? The third crown is actually going through tribulations. <laughs> tribulations. And then the fourth one was, you know, uh, uh, living a righteous life and also looking for Christ's return. I've never even heard him preach on that, you know. But he does get this one. He does get the fifth one. So praise the Lord, there actually is a crown for preachers who teach because John would have no crowns whatsoever to throw at Christ's feet. <laughs> but anyways, but just imagine, just imagine if you got to get to heaven, right? You're standing in front of God, the one who saved your soul, right? He's done everything for you. And you get to cast crowns back at his feet after he says, hey, you did these things. 
here's crowns. You're like, no. And you just get to give them back to God for what he's done for you. How amazing is that? I think this is definitely a heavenly treasure we should be pursuing. Knowing that we can give God back treasures because of everything he's done for us. So I believe this is the first treasure that I believe we absolutely should be pursuing while we're here. The second treasure, the heavenly treasure I think we should pursue is telling others about Christ. This is found in Mark 16, 15, and also Matthew 28, 19. We'll go to Mark 16, 15. Mark 16, 15. Man. Not going to harass you, Jordan, but... When these pages are stuck together, it probably means you haven't read your Bible because you haven't, they're still stuck to each other. So, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Two reasons why we should be telling others about Christ is first, God commands it, He commands us to witness and we must obey. The second reason is we want to see others in heaven with us. How awesome would it be when you get to heaven to see people's faces who you've witnessed to? Not, any, not, not that you love them to the Lord, because actually a lot of times it doesn't happen very often. Most of the time we're just playing the seed. But just imagine being in heaven and then looking across and there's people walking up to you that you got to lead to the Lord or you got to witness to. And they're now in heaven instead of hell because you actually took the time to tell somebody about what Jesus did for you. We should have the heart of Christ and not want anyone to perish. We don't want anyone to go to hell. We need to take every opportunity we have to be telling others about the Lord. Who else is going to tell them? Us. We're told to do that. So I believe the second, the second heavenly treasure we should pursue is telling others about the Lord. The third one, is developing Christ-like character. And this is found in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. And the only person we can take to heaven with us is ourselves. We need to be spending personal time with the Lord in prayer and studying God's word because we need to get to know God now instead of waiting till later. Instead of waiting for eternity... To intimately know God. Why don't we get to know God intimately now? What are we, I don't want to get to heaven and barely know my God. I don't want to just keep, use the get out of hell free card. and have gotten saved and then get to heaven and not know my Savior. We should know our Savior now, intimately. And we do that through praying and through getting in God's word. I'll tell you this. like The first 36 of my, of years of my life was to get out of hell free card the whole time. I never got close to the Lord. I never pursued him. I just knew I was going to heaven. I never... You know, it was because of sin. I had a sin problem. When you have a sin problem, you don't want to read God's word, and you certainly don't want to pray, because all God does is say, um, you need to get this right with me, and you don't want to do that. So you, your prayer is real quick. Thank you for my food. Amen. And then when you read God's word, all you do is you have this mirror in front of you, and you don't want to look at yourself, so you open up God's word, and you're like, eh, I don't want nothing to do that, because the Holy Spirit's convicting. But since I've gotten that out of my life, since I don't have this baggage on my shoulders, now I love it. I love reading God's word. I actually love praying. It's, it's crazy. Like, when you start to get to know the Lord and really get around him where you actually know what his presence feels like, it's like you get consumed with it. It's like you can't get enough. 
And, and I'm, not, I'm not bragging on myself. I just want to tell you what God's been doing in my life. But right now, I am in God's word and pray about four to five hours a day because I can't get enough. It's like, if I have any empty time, I'm like, what could I be doing right now? I'll just pray some more. I pull back out my little chart that has all my list of all the people I'm praying for, and I just pray again, right? And I'm like, man, I, I, that's just all I want to do is read God's word and pray. I could be watching Hallmark, but instead, I'm reading God's word and I'm praying, right? Just joking. Dad knows I'm joking with him. But you know what I'm saying, though? Like, why can't we get to know God now? But here's the thing, though. Like I said, I had this sin in my life. A lot of times that sin causes you to not want to read God's word and pray. Get that sin out of your life that's causing you not to do that. I'm telling you, a lot of times we have these hidden sins and these hidden secrets that we don't want to talk about. And we keep holding on to it, and that puts this wedge between God and you. And you're just miserable. And once you get that out of your life, it's just freedom. And then you just, you just can't get enough. Once you get in here, just, it's, like, it's like the word of God just like pops out to you. It's like things you never would have gotten out of it before. It's just like, it's, it's like never ending. Like, I'm just so pumped about it. I can't, I can't explain it. It's like, I just love it. But I've gotten to know God over the last year more than any of my first 39 years of my life. It wasn't not even close. I've read more Bible I have in the last year and prayed more than my first 39 years of life, just in the last probably six months, because I love it. We need to get to know the Lord now. Don't wait till the future. Don't wait till you're in heaven and say, yes, I got there. No, get to know God intimately now. I believe this is a treasure we should be pursuing while we're here on earth. The fourth treasure I think we should be pursuing is hearing well done. Hearing well done. Matthew 25, 21. Turn there real quick. Matthew 25, 21. Matthew 25, 21 says, His Lord said unto him, Well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And you gain these, hearing well done by being faithful and serving faithfully by using your gifts and your talents. That's how you get to how you get to hear well done, the good and faithful servant. Using your gifts and using your talents for the Lord. I've sang a lot in my life because I love to sing. It's a gift I have. But it's not really the, the talent or the, the thing that God's put inside of me to do. I always hid, hid behind my voice because I knew I could get up there and do that. And nobody would knew that I had something going on in my life. So I'd go up and sing, sing a good song, cool, and praising the Lord. But God's like, that's not what I've called you to do. God called me when I was uh, 16 to preach. And when I ran from God and fell into sin, I never followed exactly what God wanted me to do. He never left me alone. He's been pursuing me the whole time. So, because sometimes I thought, well, maybe because I fell into sin, God doesn't call me to do the same thing. Maybe he wants me to, you know, follow something else. But no, he's never left me alone. It's still in my heart. It won't go away. It's always like, I want you to teach. I want you to preach. It's just constant, a constant nagging. And now that I'm using that, it's just, I just, a lot of joy, right? But, this is what we get to hear for actually using our gifts and talents for the Lord. We get to hear. Just imagine that. Imagine seeing Jesus and he says to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What a thing to hear but from Jesus. Well done. I'm telling you right now, I'm 40 and I'm, I don't think when I, if I died right this moment, I'd hear well done. I don't think I'd hear that. I got some, I got some stuff to work on. 
I think as I continue to work, continue to stay in God's word, continue to use my gifts, I will eventually hear that if I stay consistent. But right now, I don't think I would hear that if I'm being honest. I don't think I'd hear, well done, a good and faithful servant. I got 30 years left. I'm, gonna, I, I'm giving my all to him the next 30 years because I want to hear, well done, a good and faithful servant. This is another gift I, or another uh, earthly treasure I think we should pursue. And the last earthly treasure, which is something a little different, but it's, it's knowing that we have a mansion and a job up in heaven. John 14, 1 through 3, also 2 Corinthians 5, 10, Revelation 22, 3, and Isaiah 65, 21 through 23, talk about you being able to attain a mansion, which a mansion is just a plot of land or the things you own, right? It's like, a, like property, pretty much. It says you're preparing a place for you, right? So you get to have a, a place prepared for you by God. And then also, it talks about the job you're going to have in heaven. Why would we not dream about and think about the mansion we're going to have and the job we're going to have? We, we think about the future here, like, oh, I'm going on vacation. And you dream about it and just think about it. But why would we not constantly be thinking, man, when I'm in heaven for eternity, I get to have a mansion. It's based on what we do. So based on our works that we do is how, what our job's going to be and based on the, the, the mansion we're going to have. Why would we not pursue this? Just imagine how our heart would change towards earthly treasure if we were to focus on these five heavenly treasures. Just imagine how our heart would change towards earthly treasure if we were to focus on these five heavenly treasures. Striving to be able to cast crowns at Christ's feet, witnessing to others so they could spend eternity in heaven and be able to see them in heaven, knowing you witnessed to them and seeing their face and knowing that because of what, not because of, because of Christ, but you actually took the time to witness to them. Spending intimate time with God now so we already know him well. Using our gifts and talents to hear well done. And dreaming about our mansion and job being prepared for us. Just imagine how our heart would change if we pursued those five things. This wouldn't mean anything. If we constantly did these five things, saw about witnessing, spending intimate time with God, if we were striving to cast crowns at Christ's feet by, because of what we've done, by using our gifts and talents, just thinking about using our gifts and talents constantly for God, and dreaming about our mansions, just imagine how our heart would change. It wouldn't be here. It would be there. Now, I know there's a lot going on in America you kind of, she kind of talked about it, Julie did, about this elections going on and they're done and we're trying to figure out who's actually the president and then a lot of illegal things happen and you have COVID-19 that's happening and we need to make sure we don't lose our focus on heavenly treasures even though those things are going on. We're only here for a very short time. God's place is here for a reason. To live and to worship him and to tell others about Christ. Those are the main things we should be doing. We need to make sure we're not that we don't lose our focus on heavenly treasures and we don't allow earthly treasure like living in America and also having freedom to become our God. This is temporary. Heaven is eternal. This is like a vapor. We're here and we're gone. What are we using our time on? And there's a song that comes to my mind that it's an old, it's an old hymn. My dad loves this song, right? It's called, This World Is Not My Home. And if you know it, sing it with me. We're going to sing the first verse. 
This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Those first two lines, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I really think we need to be focusing on that, get our mind unfocused on our earthly treasures and get focused on where we're going for eternity. There's two quotes I want to end with. This quote really spoke to me. I don't know who the author is, but this, this quote really, really spoke to me. It's really short. It's, he who lays up treasure in heaven looks forward to eternity. He who lays up treasure in heaven looks forward to eternity. I believe a lot of times the reason why we're not looking forward to eternity is because we're not laying up treasures in heaven. We're so worried about our treasure here. Again, there's nothing wrong with treasures here. Don't make it your God. Remember, in a moment, we could be gone. All the treasure had, gone in an instant. He who lays up treasure in heaven looks forward to eternity. And another quote is by Randy Alcorn. Is when you leave this world, will you be known as one who accumulated treasure on earth you could not keep? Or will you be recognized as one who invested treasures in heaven that you couldn't lose? I'll read that one more time. When you leave this world, will you be known as one who accumulated treasure on earth you could not keep? Or will you be recognized as one who invested treasure in heaven that you couldn't lose? When you die and you have your funeral, are you going to have people saying, man, that guy had a sweet car. That guy had a lot of nice stuff. He had a nice home. He really accumulated a lot of stuff. Or will you, people remember you like, man, that guy really loved the Lord. And he was always thinking of eternity where he was going. Are you focused on the treasures of this world? Have you made them your gods? It's hard in America. I'm telling you right now, it's hard in my own life. I make things my gods. I love, I love my guns, but I shouldn't. <laughs> I love having my freedom, but is that more important than eternity and where I'm going to be for the rest of my life? May our heart yearn for eternity because we are striving to lay up our treasures in heaven. May our heart yearn for eternity because we are striving to lay up our treasures in heaven. I just wanted to read Matthew 6 one more time, verse 19 through 21, and we'll close. One last time. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where your thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is your heart tonight? It's really hard, but where is our heart tonight? I want my heart to be on eternity and to be focused on Christ. I want it to be on the forever that's coming up and not the next 25 years. Yes, we can get prepared. Yes, we can have things. Don't make it your God. Follow those five things I said, and I think it'll actually, your heart won't be here anymore. If you do those things, I think Scripture says that your heart's going to be in heaven.
think it's something we should pursue. Those are the five treasures we should pursue. Let's pray. Our dear Lord and Holy Father, thank you for this night. God, you've uh, really moved my heart on this. I know I struggle with even making my own family my treasure and holding on to things and holding on to my money and holding on to stuff and, and so worried about, you know, just things that really don't matter, Lord. I pray that you'd help me with that. I pray that you would help me store up my treasures in heaven. God, I'm going to be there with you for eternity. God, help us to focus on there, and I think our heart will change and our lives will change just because of that, God. God, I thank you for wanting to use me, and I give the rest of my life to you. In your name I pray, amen.